0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
1: From the author of the book by the same name, it's the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast with Mark McRae. SC Comic-Con, the upstate's premier comic convention. That's upstate South Carolina. Comic-Con to you, buddy. Mark and I were there along with Adam, aka Sexy Thor over from Thunder Talk, along with, uh, your, your ESO's best, uh, Mike and Mike Faber and Gordon, along with Judy Faber. We had a magical, amazing time, didn't we, Mark?
2: Oh my gosh. We had such a great time. And, uh, it was just really good to be able to connect with our friends and colleagues at the ESO network as well as, you know, seeing Our friends, you know, people like uh, Archie comic book artist Bill Gollier.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a treasure. He's always cool to hang out with.
2: For sure. Definitely. And uh, this was my first full-on SC Comic-Con convention. I did uh, SC Comic-Con, I guess, Junior?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a one-day deal they did last October 2021. And it worked out so well that they just announced they're doing it again this year.
2: Oh, okay. That's cool. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. And we got to hang out with some pretty amazing guests. One of them was Guy Gilchrist. Among many of his accolades, Muppet Babies, super double boss on Muppet Babies. Mark, tell the people exactly what our good friend Guy Gilchrist has done.
2: Yeah, well, you know, he was working on Muppet Babies as a comic strip and Marvel Productions tapped him to be part of the character design team. That would work on the animated series and he has a lot of animation experience as well. He has worked for MGM, UA, Disney, Warner Brothers, and he has actually gotten some personal mentoring from Walter Lance. Wow. I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't get any, you know, cooler than that. You know, Walter Lance who created Woody Woodpecker and right. From what I understand, a super nice guy. And his name sort of pops up a lot sometimes, Dan, because you know, I've I've heard other people in the animation industry, uh, Lou Scheimer for one, saying that Walter Lance uh gave him his first job and opportunity in the animation business. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want you guys to really check out the interview. One of the nicest people we met, a very spiritual person and very blessed to be working in the industry and someone who personally encouraged me as a television programmer animation historian as well so without further ado let's introduce the awesome
1: guy gilchrist we're here with guy gilchrist on, uh okay, best in yeah, his podcast good. Okay.
0: uh mr gilchrist it's such a pleasure to have you today well, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I'm just hearing about this book, and I guess I was a little piece of this, huh? <laughs> for a little <laughs> while? <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, one of the uh, questions I wanted to ask, one of the things that really intrigued me was your story, your background story in, of how you helped develop Fraggle Rock and the Muppet Babies. Uh-huh. I, I wanted to
0: know, like, um, what, what exactly your involvement was in that? The Babies for instance. So I was doing the Muppets comic strip. Now, that was in newspapers. Now, your your uh, listeners, for your listeners' sake, okay, so newspapers were a thing where we cut trees super, super thin and we put, like, all the news and sad stuff on one side. Then we had baseball scores and the funnies on the other side. I was on the baseball and funny side. And so, uh, and we were read by 80 million people every single day wow. and that was the very first time that you know the Muppets were cartoon characters and because they were two-dimensional and we had to animate them a bit and they so they weren't exact copies of the puppets you see um, the eyes got bigger the heads you know on the heads the the bodies were smaller than the actual puppets and uh, So that was the precursor of the babies. Then once uh, Jim Mahan, uh, Isabel Miller, Michael Frith had the idea of the babies, I was brought in to help draw them, ink them, you know, put them together, do turnarounds, all of that sort of stuff to get it out to, uh, you know, to Marvel, uh, to do the animation. You know, I worked with Jim on everything. And um, uh, I didn't animate it. I did all those toys, you know, that you guys had. You know, the, you know, all the toys. And the Fraggle Rock toys and all that stuff. We did a lot of painting, a lot of toys. And, uh, you know, and would work on the story arc and all that kind of thing. And all the publishing. A little bit, little bit of stuff. At least, but you see, the, anything that I did, uh, anything that I did that was going to be animated or anything, that came secondarily to the 80 million people reading, you know, the strip. But you know, another thing that was on Saturday mornings was, like, for instance, you had the animated Fraggles. You also had the animated Pigs in Space and all that stuff. And that came from my drawings as well. Um, you know, but I have a lot of connections to Saturday, Saturday morning because, you know, because I worked, you know, I was with Warner Brothers as our art director for a lot of years. You know, uh, Disney, MGM, UA, you know, with Pink Panther and all that stuff. But anyway, but see, each property has a different story. Gotcha.
2: Yeah. Gotcha. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, the Muppet Babies was such a a phenomenal runaway hit. I mean, like, back in the day, a lot of times, Saturday morning shows, you know, they were guaranteed, like, maybe a two-year contract. And then if the ratings hit a certain threshold, um, they would get... You know, 10 new episodes or 15 new episodes. And I noticed, like with Muppet Babies, there was uh, every season CBS was just, we need 15 more, we need, you know, 12 more. And uh, it was a really great uh, runaway hit. Uh, So you mentioned Pink Panther. And uh, so you were involved in, in working on that series as
0: well or doing uh, some of the ancillary? Well, what happened with Pink Panther was I got a call from United Artists. There was a time, you know, that MGM and United Artists were separate. Right. Okay? And that was when UA called. What had happened was the Saturday morning, Pink Panther had gotten canceled. I mean, nowadays you go, what? Yeah. But, you know, this is, this is business is business. It was sometime in the late 80s. And, um, and anyway, United Orders called and said, we have to find a way to get Pink Panther back on television um, or we're going to lose the account. You know, they, have a, they had an account for the Pink Insulation Company, right? Uh, Is that Alcoa that. or somebody, right? Yep. Um, and uh, they're going like, you know, that, and that's millions and millions of dollars, says Pink Panther was the spokes uh, character for that. So they said, you know, we, we need to figure out a way. Well, that was during the Reagan years, and Nancy Reagan had a thing called Just Say No, you know, to drugs and stuff. Remember that? And the yes. D.A.R.E. program and all that. So I was kind of trying to figure something out. And I drew a picture of Pink Panther leaning against, like, a lamppost. And then he was leaning against a brick wall and stuff. And he had a leather jacket on. And it, and I wrote, Pink Says Think. Because he was kind of a cool cat, right? Because Pink Says Think. And we I sent it in. And they were like, wow. And so they... Sent it into different municipalities and into the national government and then over to urban develop, housing and urban development, all that kind of stuff, to, uh, to education, uh, chief of education, you know, and they kind of picked up on it. And we wound up doing a PSA and, uh, you know, there were a bunch of ads and stuff that were in, you know, newspapers and this and that, especially in urban areas. And so it got the Pink Panther back on television on a PSA, wow. and they, and then eventually the show came back.
2: That is a really cool
0: story. That's a really cool story. I, I, I never
2: heard that, you know, like... The you
0: remember route, that, though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
2: That, you know, the route that, you know, Pink Panther being canceled and how everything kind of circled back for it to get back on the air. You know, the, the Reagan... You mentioned the Reagan administration, you know. It's one of the things that we talked about in our podcast how, you know, like, Reagan was all about, the Reagan administration was all about deregulation, and because of that deregulation, it sort of opened up the door for all of these kids' shows, like all the toy shows, right. rather, mm-hmm. to come in, and I, I think that, uh, you know, the Pink Panther, you know, hearing that the Pink Panther is also part of that that legacy of, uh, you know, because they needed just say no, um, That in turn, you know, opened the door for the Pink Panther to come back on Saturday morning.
0: You know, uh, I always look at the, I look at the stuff that I do as a very meaningful promise and a contract with children and their parents. And uh, so, any opportunity that I've had over the years with all the different characters that I've done to do that sort of community service is wonderful and very welcoming. And but, you know, it was I was sort of backed into a corner. They're like, we need to figure out a way to bring Pink Panther back. And uh, and and I just thank God that it came into my head this is something that we could do. And it wound up doing a lot of good I think.
2: Yeah. Did you um, know
0: Fritz Freeling or David Patty from the um, from the well, Pink Panther had, series? Well, I had worked uh, on Fritz characters doing Sylvester and Tweety and that stuff uh, with Warner Brothers. But I didn't know Fritz at all. Okay. And um, But then it was interesting that, that uh, there was a documentary being done on me um, with the talks that I give. So, um, and uh, so they were doing this documentary about my faith and, and the funnies and that kind of thing. And so the director was pulling... Pictures from Google Images and sending over saying, Is this your Bugs Bunny? Is this your Pink Panther? Is this it, right? And well, there, and I'm looking at the thumbnails and I see a Pink Says Think print the and it's signed. And I'm going like, I didn't even know there were Pink Says Think prints, you know? So I hit the button and it was like, and Frisk Freeling. Had signed my art, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, he liked it! Like that was so cool." And I was they actually re- reached out to Hope, uh, his his daughter, and told her that story, and she was so sweet, and she sent me a uh, Sylvester and Tweety cell.
2: Wow, that is really cool. Yeah. That is awesome. And yeah, it must have been hard. a super nice surprise
0: for you to see that Fritz Freeling had signed your card. Oh my gosh, that was just like <laughs> that was that was unbelievable because, you know, Fritz Freeling and Walter Lance are the grand American masters and they did they, they animated more than any American animator probably ever will. Right. You know, almost a hundred years, both of them. And uh, so, you know, that was real a big thrill for me, yeah. yeah.
2: What I, what I find really cool about Fritz Freeling is that, you know, you went from the golden age of animation and went into Saturday morning and just kept making cartoons until, you know, uh, they did this partnership with Marvel and, and did a Spider-Man cartoon and Marvel right. sort of
0: came in and, and bought, you know, the Patty Freeling. And well, uh, they had, right, and the, and and then and, and then we wound up working with them with babies, right?
2: With Muppet babies,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but, that, yeah, but nobody knows that that's how Marvel animation happened, right. Was it was Fritz's company, yeah, right?
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, David the Paddy stayed with the company for a while, and Fritz, you know, I think he went into semi retirement, but then ended up working with um Hanna Barbera to do uh pink panther and sons or something like that Uh but anyway yeah um yeah marvel how marvel got into the business was kind of interesting story as well uh what advice would you give people trying to break into um illustration cartooning today and or or if you can compare it to how it was you you breaking into the industry versus how things are now
0: well, things are ever-changing. I mean, and I'm 65, and I was breaking into cartooning in New York City. I was like 12 and 13 years old, and you know, certainly it was a different time. Um, I feel that in many, many ways, uh, people that are trying to break in today have it much easier. Um, back in the day, you, you could mail your work in, but the, but there were portfolio viewings, and you could go, you know, make an appointment. But you had to be in either New York City for publishing or LA for animation. These days, you can be anywhere and submit your work to get a job with Cartoon Network or whoever it is. You know, anywhere across, you know, but the main thing is don't quit. Okay, I want you to remember something. The world doesn't hate you, okay? God and the world love you. They want you to be happy, okay? The only person that quits on you is you. There are no walls except the ones that you create. There are no limits. If you're not making it, figure out why, okay? Look at yourself Am I marketing myself? Am I promoting myself? And if you are, but you're not getting anywhere, then how do I promote myself differently? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? The thing is, you don't quit. Oh, it helps if you draw good. That's another thing, draw good, okay? Draw good, don't stink at that, you know? Um, Draw good. I remember, you know, like when I was around 14 or so, I uh, sent a bunch of my stuff into mad, you know, and I was doing, you know, like bad, you know, Jack Davis knockoff stuff, you know, but then there was also some life drawing that I had done from high school and, and, and things like that. And Mag- Mad Magazine wrote to me in the first couple of paragraphs for us, your stuff stinks, your cartoons stink. Oh, wow. Um, you know, uh, cartooning is a step away from reality. You're too many steps away. But then it said, but we really like your life drawing and the stuff that you did, and da 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 and we want you to do more of that. And when and when you can draw better, come and see us, you know, um, Many people that are trying to break into cartooning can only draw, you're drawing cartoons. You're, you know, and certainly that's a part of the process. You are what you eat, okay? Your style is always going to be a combination of what you know and what you don't know, okay? And so you're going to know more, the more that you practice, and the more that you're working from life, uh... You are going to see that your idols, the people that you're really into, you're going to see where they now come from instead of you just tra- you know copying you know somebody else's voice. Eventually, you'll find your own voice. But remember that editors, producers, all those guys, they don't hate your guts. Okay, they're looking for solutions. So if you can if you can be a problem solver for them, and you can put yourself, you know in front of them enough, enough, enough it will work out. I mean look I knew no one at the beginning and I knew nothing and I guess I, I was so ignorant that I just kept going because when you really try to figure this whole thing out it seems impossible. Don't quit. Walter Lance told me when I was 10 years old if you practice real hard and you never ever quit Someday you'll be successful. And that's what I'm telling you today.
2: That is such awesome, wonderful, great advice. And, you know, again, another great story, you know, from your career. I mean, I, that is, I, I think people listening to our podcast really n- needed to hear what you just said. Oh, yeah. You know, because I can sort of relate to what you're saying. I mean, before my book was a book, it was a newsletter. I sent it out to everyone in the animation and comic book industry. It started getting some traction, but I always tell people I said in spite of that, in spite of getting some attention, it still took me many, many years to get into the television animation programming business. And, but I just kept going, and every time someone would send me a letter or send me a note, it just encouraged me that I was you know moving in the right direction yeah. and uh, your story your story really makes me feel that you know I definitely did the right thing because I was eventually able to break in so go, yeah <laughs> so uh what new projects are you working on and where can people find you website all that
0: uh well you can always find out where I'm going to be on tour by going to the Facebook page which is A Guy Gilchrist Production that's also the website um uh The project that I'm working on right now, like, you know, the reason that I was able to work for MGM, United Artists, Disney, Warner Brothers, all at the same time, is because I say this a lot. I can't tell you yet. Or I'm not at liberty to say. Um, And, uh, you know... uh, and you know how that is, when you're working with... On, on we, we get that stuff. a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's a... Um, it
1: means you're working. It means you're paying the bills. It means it's oh, dude, all working out. Dude,
0: you know what's amazing to me is like, I'm 65 years old, and I'm still as busy as I want to be. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not... You know, when 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 I went to work for Jim, it was 24-7, I always say that Jim hired me in 1980, and then about halfway through 91, I took a nap, you know, Um But I'm as busy as I want to be, and I feel so blessed because way, way back in the day when we had the big studio going with like 16 people working, I was hiring people like Kurt Swan, Frank McLaughlin... Uh, Gil Fox, because Marvel and DC had basically booted them out the door for being 50 years old, you know. And so they were coming over, and, and, and we were having a ball. And, of course, these guys were, you know, big idols of mine. And, and I knew they were, you know, get the work done on time and everything. They worked on Turtles with me and all kinds of stuff. Um, but, you know, and then I look at myself, and it's 15 years after that. And, you know, the phone's still ringing. And, uh, you know, so I'm very, very blessed. We did a
2: podcast, uh, so the Superman Filmation series, you know, which, the new events of Superman, which changed the industry, you know, Fred Silverman got his first big promotion and all that. We did a podcast talking about Kurt Swan, uh, because supposedly... The greatest. The greatest, right? Because, like, the last season of that animated series, the artist kind of threw, the animators threw all the old designs out the door and they decided to make that third season based on all of kurt swan's work yeah and so we had a debate on whether we thought they hit the mark or not some of us thought they did i thought that the work sort of looked like kurt uh schaffenberger's work
0: more than kurt swan but it was a fun interview i mean it was a fun podcast and work is not bad either i mean you know I think he did the best Lois Lane's. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> you know, Definitely. Lois Lane and, 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 and Lana Lang, that, those were like the babe titles of D C back in the day. For sure. Because of Schaffenberger, yeah, it yeah. was great. Yeah. I really liked his art as well. Um, you oh, know Kurt was. Kurt was a friend and we we would play golf occasionally together. We both lived in Connecticut. We met through Mort Walker and uh, and so that's how I was able to you know, reach out to Kurt. But the yeah, those guys, you know, you are in a business where, you know, where it is a young person's game. And so it's very, I'm very grateful to be trucking on, you know.
2: Yeah, that's great. And I love that story, too, about bringing in these guys because they still had a, a lot of talent in them, and like you said, they know they can do the work, they can finish on time,
0: yep. and and that's the way it was in the industry back then, you know. Uh, I think it might still be, I mean, oh. that may be why, you know, why I'm busy, because uh. it's like, hey, you know, they still go like, well, hey, he he's never missed a deadline. Right,
2: right, wow, that and is up. amazing, that is amazing. Well, thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I mean... Oh, well, I can't wait to get this episode out there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Really all right, guys. Really good. Very inspiring. Hey, Mike, I think I might have the new promo for Earth Station One for the spring. Want to hear it? Sure. Celebrating over 12 years of bringing you all things geek, we're the Earth Station One Podcast. No matter the topic, we have been showing you all sides of geekdom with interviews, reviews, discussions, con reports, and as always, the Geek Seat. Join Mike and Mike weekly at earthstation1.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. That's Earth Station One. What do you think? Is it okay? Eh, That's fine. We'll, We'll do better next time. Do you like podcasts? Then you're going to hate Thunder Talk. Tasteless subject matter, mature humor, contempt for our co hosts, unapologetic social views, edgy music, and total irreverence for the nerd junk we love are all reasons
2: why no one, no one, no one should listen to Thunder Talk.
1: Find us on the ESO Network and all podcasting platforms. Or
0: don't. Whatever.
2: Yeah, and so there was also a lot of celebrities at South Carolina Comic-Con. There were a a bunch of comic book legends, um, including Jerry Conway, who has a long career of working with DC and Marvel, and it was his... Particular Spider Man issue that uh, killed Gwen Stacy and comic books were changed forever. Yeah. So, also on board was Mike Grill. I've been a fan of his work for a long time, and I mean, no one, in my opinion, can draw the human form as good as Mike. Grell. I mean, his work in Legion of Superheroes and Green Arrow and Green Lantern, uh, just to name a few, uh, were just uh, really spectacular work. And I got a little memento from uh, Mr. Grell, a signed photo of Tyrock, who was the first Black character to appear in Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. He supposedly was based on According to the rumors, uh, Jim Brown, but his likeness and his body style to me sort of reminds me of actor Jim Kelly from A Black Belt Jones and Enter the Dragon.
1: You know, I had never heard of the character Ty Rock until you owed me seventy-five dollars and we couldn't figure out yet how to PayPal it to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this anyway. Uh, John Ratzenberger was there. Yeah, Cliff.
2: Cliff, right? And uh, Dan and I got to the convention early on Sunday, and we're just kind of standing around trying to figure out who we're going to talk to and what our interviewing strategy was going to be for that day. And all of a sudden, Dan goes, and this has happened to me before with celebrities. I'm, I'm, I'm totally oblivious. This happened to me with Magic Johnson at a hotel. <laughs> Dan goes, hey. There's Kevin Sorbo, and I like, huh? And sure enough, it was Kevin Sarbo walking down the convention floor.
1: Yeah, isn't he? He's the guy from Andromeda and some other show, right?
2: Yeah, and Hercules: The Legendary Adventures.
1: Some other little-known show that no one's ever heard of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Mike and Judy Faber, especially. Uh, you know, I brought my kids this year's, the kids and I and Kira and Judy oh, yeah. really bonded.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah, they really bonded. And uh, it was just so nice. It, it was like, <laughs> they were as thick as thieves at the convention. It was so funny. Yeah. And what was funny was, sometimes Judy was like, okay, I'm just going to sit behind here and then, you know, Kira will come by and says, no, we need to go check this out. And she goes, oh, okay. And they were gone.
0: <laughs>
2: oh. right. I think Judy was enjoying herself too. And Um, it was really cool watching them bond and, uh, you know, and connect. And, uh, that was really the best part, you know, about being up there with our friends from the ESO network. You know, we don't get to see them a lot, but we had a great time hanging out with them, you know, the entire weekend and, and being able to catch up and exchange stories and get to know them better.
1: Yeah. Always cool. Always cool. So love, love you, Mike and Judy. Mwah. Uh, Hey, tune in next time where we have Steve Garcia. He was an animator on Iron Giant among a whole lot of other things. A little bit of a teaser for you. So uh, yeah, thanks for joining us here on the best Saturdays of our lives. The best Saturdays of our lives podcast is a co-production of the best Saturdays
2: of our lives studios and the weirdos workshop to get a personalized signed copy of the best Saturdays of our lives book, go to com. This is Mark McRae, signing off.
1: This has been a broadcast
2: of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating
1: to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tea Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO
2: Network, your station for all things geek.